You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And I got to tell you, folks, I've had a couple of comments recently. People say it seems to take my episodes a little while to kind of percolate and, and dive into the meat of things. So I think we're going to dive straight in. I um, uh, am welcoming my guest. Her name is Cheryl Lynn, and she's going to help us understand something about building a culture of joy in your business. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so pleased to be here, Doug. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So how did you get into this arena first before we do get into the meat of the subject? What uh, what led you to this concept? Well, first of all, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Uh, the last business I built uh, was with a consumer packaging goods company, a family business. And so we sell products and uh, mostly healthy products to grocery stores all over the United States. Um, but through the years, I've watched and noticed people really... Um, sort of sort of look for their way right they're not right they're not really sure is this supposed to be my business am i settling here am i wanting to do this is this important and a lot of times i saw that they were um sort of setting themselves up for failure based on they they were always thinking about the overwhelm and the chaos and the stress and i'm like well if we're gonna live life let's do something exciting and pay attention to what's working so um, that was that was kind of the beginning of it. Um, I have a quick story if you want to hear uh, why. Please, yes, go ahead. Chair of Joy, and then we can get into the real meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about today and why a culture of joy is so, so important for all companies worldwide right now. Um, when I was eight years old, my brother threw a baseball bat at me and he broke my nose. And so for most of my life, I lived with a disfigurement of a crooked nose. And mm. so it really wasn't that bad. I fixed it when I was about 40. Um, but they, my saboteurs really told me that I was not going to um, be pretty enough or good enough or smart enough. So the trauma and tragedy set me back. And as I say now, it stole my joy for most of my life. And so I, I always wonder what is that, that that little eight-year-old girl fell before that, felt before that trauma. And so I went on a, um, the rest of my life. So it's been a 35-year quest to figure it out. And I found the answer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's amazing. Amazing, and uh, you raised such a good point. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and but I, it is based on my own life experience. I think everybody that's potentially listening has some incident in their life like that that creates one of those. I like your word saboteurs, but it's the it's the negative thinking, the negative thought, not pretty enough, not fast enough, not tall enough, all those things that really hold people back and it does ultimately rob your joy your your excitement for getting up in the morning and going and doing what you best can do so how are you implementing that with businesses now well first and foremost um i I had to figure out for myself if this was really it. So all the while I was selling real estate, I owned a bar and grill and I did the consumer goods packaging company, like I mentioned, um, I paid attention as a business development um, professional, what it took to actually bring clients in and to create sales and to have worldwide success. And I was like, well, if I'm focusing on that, they hung up on me and something's wrong or what did I do or say, or could have done better. And I've got a thousand 
thousand things to do. I'm never going to get to the thing. So, so in, in my own life, I started researching what the science of joy was. And I found Dr. Jim Wilder, Chris Corsi, lots of, lots of professional neuroscientists that really um, gave lots of attention to this concept of joy. And so basically what, what it is, is this, if I could just explain it from a layman's perspective, along with um, having two papers published in the, in the medical journals now, um, white papers around the neuronomy of well-being and joy. So if I don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to share real quick about yeah, that. Yeah, please do. So basically, um, he, hedonic happiness is a philosophy, a philosophy or a belief that we pursue pleasurable things. And if we avoid painful things, then we'll have the success of living a joyful life and a joyful well-being. But what we discovered is this word called eudaimonia. So eudaimonia means um, sort of a contentment or a inner well-being that's not happy, which is fleeting and kind of in and out, much like fear and worry. But um, eudaimonia is this contentment, this inner dwelling, this feeling of consistency of what feeling good is. So it's not about avoiding pain or being happy all the time. It's about how do I elevate and measure my own state of well-being so that I can live in a state of what we're calling joyly. So it's a, a new word. Uh, our company name is called joyly. So living in a state of joyly on a daily basis, how do we raise up out of the funk and the worry and the chaos and the stress, get back into that feeling of joy and then go back to, ah, I'm aware of, of funk and, and overwhelm and so many to-dos and then back to joy all day long is what the cycle and the culture of joy is all about. And uh, we have tests and studies um, that show uh, how our system works uh, regarding that as well. It is fascinating. And, and you, you've kind of addressed, I had the question, what is the difference between joy and happiness? Because I do think there's a lot of drive to find happy. And it does ultimately seem elusive. But having a different kind of spirit about yourself and a different outlook on the day and, and an outlook for the benefit of the people around you and all of that, in my mind, kind of comes together as a significant force that could be leveraged. And as, as you were describing the tail end of that, I thought about so many of my clients, my entrepreneurial clients, that are just talking about the overwhelm. The, the They're just bogged down in the details, the minutia. To talk to them, they're, they're not joyful people. They're, they're, they're making money, but there's, there's no connection with their state of mind in, in the effort to get there. Yeah. And that was my deep sadness over the years too, is watching people live their entire careers, right? And I'm, I interviewed lots of people over the years, lots of seniors and saying, I wished I would have and took in more risks and more chances. And, you know, what was I so afraid of? At the end of the day, who nobody really cared about what I was thinking or what I was doing. It was really all put on by myself. So I feel you, I hear you, Doug, and, and it, it doesn't have to be that way. So when we can learn how we can act actually access our joy, which is so, so easy to do. Because wouldn't you agree, Doug, that the, that we li have lived a lifetime, you and me, and we have piles and piles and piles of uh, moments and memories of joy that we can access. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 
definitely. Absolutely. I think it's it's finding the ability to stack those properly and, as you said, analyze them. And I I know I find myself on, on the one hand, I encourage business leaders that I work with to do a daily assessment of how they did during the day. But I always caution, this is not about self-abuse. This is not about becoming overly critical of yourself, but being objective about the substance of what may or may not have happened and making a mental note about what could I have done differently. And you're doing that in the effort to improve yourself for tomorrow. But I, again, I always harp on the idea that don't allow this to be the self-inflicted, uh, you know, piling on logs of grief and doubt and, and fear yeah. and all of those kinds of things. So uh, often, depending on the personality that I've sensed I'm talking with and where they might be in their life journey, I'm careful about how we have that discussion because I don't want to be the purveyor of more bad news to them and I don't want to give them another uh, another uh, derailer to, to work on. So I, I know you do a lot of work in the healthcare area uh, and boy, if there's a place that uh, moments that Rob Joy could could exist. I'm I'm sure it's in that healthcare arena. I, I have good friends that are all healthcare professionals, and, and I know their stories. So, what do you find when you start working with one of these institutions, large hospital or facility? What uh, What are some of the early findings that are talked about? Yeah, so um, I can just use Kendra Ocker, uh, CEO of Evangelical Community Hospital, as an example. She um, just sent us a testimonial about how they're using our methodologies within the hospital, and basically, we took the the method that we that I'll that I'd love to show you in just a minute in the emergency room, in the front facing client arena, in the handling all the critical objections and um, just all the chaos really of, uh, you know, of people being angry with masks and all of that kind of thing. There's just so much craziness that's going on on a daily basis. And so what Kendra has set forth is this conversation about, you know what, I know that at the end of my career, there's more than the end of my career. There's more than my career. My life was about so much more. And so she said, if I can bring that energy and that idea and that concept to to every doctor, nurse, you know, security guard, you know, every every human being that's connected with the healthcare, and we raise the vibration or the level of joy within the hospital. How does that imp- impact all KPIs? How does that help in the community? Um, uh, some of the things that are starting to happen within the corporations that we're working with is improved communication between staff, like. When I ask questions, when I go into initially and I ask people about joy, like they really don't even know what I'm talking about. And like you said, how do they stack it? Like those conversations around joy are not a priority. Um, Does that make sense, uh, Doug? It does. And what's going through my mind, I'm I'm part of another community of podcasters and uh, guests and hosts, and there's a whole segment in that group. Um, They call it the woo. And, And so... When you start talking about, and pardon me if I'm generalizing here, but when you start talking to business leaders about topics like 
faith, joy, hope, grace, um, and, and even a little bit of quasi-spiritual development work, everybody kind of goes, woo, you know, woo. Yes. <laughs> and yes. um, there's, yes. a, there's an aversion often to that sort of thinking, and yet there's a lot of content and material that encourages us to understand we are very complex beings, and if you're going to ever attempt to lead based on a human element of the people you're working with, you can't just cross this out. You can't just ignore this dimension of who and what we are. Absolutely not. And I think companies, there will always be the, the or, um, a good friend of mine, um, Joe Williams, who's the owner of uh, Keller Williams. I think he has 220,000 offices right. or agents worldwide and 65 um, different franchises worldwide. So he says, you know, 20% of the com of the companies will understand this idea. 20% uh, will just think it's always woo woo and crazy. And then there's a huge chunk in the middle, the 60%. So I talk to investors, family office organizations, all the time. And, and I say to them, if you're going to invest in a company, do you not want to look at the management team and going, is this a culture of joy? Do they lead from a place, not happiness or being great or perfect all the time? That's not what we're, what we're talking about. But instead, um, to understand what it means to focus and prioritize, like you said, it's not, it's not a bowling thing on Fridays or, you know, going out once a year to a beautiful Christmas party. Those are wonderful things. But in a if I could just uh, tell you one uh, study, for example, um, about the uh, employee retention, for example, and how this impacts mm -hmm. um, companies. Um, A.T. Kearney, uh, he did a study with 500 employees of various ages from different companies worth $2 billion in revenue or more, or more across various uh, organizations and different industries. And it all came down to the nearly 100% of the nearly of the recruited consultants and millennials expected that the companies now are living in a place of um, substantial joy. So they they have the questions for us as older um, CEOs, maybe, that are wondering, what is this all about? So I think the time for that has come and gone. And what's become more important is they want KPIs that, that our culture of joy talks about, which is focus, resilience, reduce burnout, improve mental health, like mental health all by itself is just a reason to sit down and take a break. So at this point, Doug, I'd love to share with you what this share of joy experience is, if you don't mind. Yes, let's let's get into that. Yeah, so it, it, I hear the woo-woo and some of the psychologists at the hospitals we go to, even uh, the mental health therapists, they all also think, you know, sometimes like from the outside, this is silly. But again, I've spent 35 years researching the science of what it takes to make us feel joyful again. And anything a CEO does or any C-level or HR department tells you to do, you're likely not going to do it. So what we do is flip that on its head and said, what if we got all the individuals to want to step into this on their own? So instead of us telling them what to do or saying this is a good idea, what if we said, 
why don't you engage with us and see what happens? So here's what it is. It's very simple and I've created it so a kindergartner can do it, a senior can do it, and every executive in the boardroom, which they're doing right now as well. So imagine yourself sitting in a boardroom executive around a table right now. So I want you to pick the chair at the table that feels the best for you. Would it be the front, the side? You know, are you in the back? Where's your chair if you were to pick one at this board executive room table? Oh, I'll be honest. I'm the guy that likes to migrate to the head of the table. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, so do many of us listening to this podcast uh, uh, from Doug, I'm assuming. So if you don't mind, um, if you want to close your eyes, you can, but you don't have to. But I want you to just sit back and relax for 60 seconds. And I want you to imagine yourself sitting at the front of the table at this executive uh, room, beautiful executive room. There's a chandelier. There's 12 uh, beautiful uh, high-backed wings chairs all the way around the table and it's just a gorgeous gorgeous setting there's some appetizer in the back of the room so step one of the four steps is to sit so if you want to close your eyes you can imagine yourself sitting in this chair and like i said imagine all the surroundings drop your shoulders put your feet on the ground step two take a deep breath just let yourself relax for just a minute. Imagine yourself in this boardroom. You've took a long time to get here into this beautiful front office chair in this room overlooking the ocean. One more deep breath. And just let all the to-dos go of today over the overwhelm, the stress, the concern, the worry. Who should I hire and fire? And what do I what do I prioritize today? And step three, I want you to think about a moment of joy as it pertains to your team. You don't have to uh, just imagine the group around the table, all 12 of them, see their eyes, see the people that are on your team. And I want you to grab one or two things from, from the essence of this meeting and what is highlighted for you. What about it brings you joy and makes you smile? And step four, I want you to just feel that in your body from your head to your toe and just kind of move your shoulders from side to side and come back whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. So my question for you, Doug, um, that was fun, first of all, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Always. if you were sitting at that executive room table, did you see some people in your mind's eye sitting around the table and even put some faces, names to the bodies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. And were they colleagues or past and clients or? Uh, I'll say former colleagues. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. And and when I asked you to think about a moment of joy around some of their uh, experiences, did you come up with one or two? Yes, I did. Can you share? Yeah. The thing that came to my mind was that moment when somebody on the team really reaches their own aha you know there's there's kind of an elevation of their either their understanding about the work or uh, appreciation from others that gave them a, a new sense of confidence about who and what they were at the at the job and uh, th those were the things that came to mind as as we were doing the exercise I think you were probably a really good CEO back in the day. If you noticed that kind of thing, that's pretty powerful. That that's that's why most CEOs are in the job, right? To elevate their people and give them that sense of aha or accomplishment or making sure that everyone is living their potential. So that's beautiful that you noticed that. And then last, my question is when I asked you to feel in your body, did you feel sort of a, a warm glow or a sense of a sense of a feeling of joy? Yeah, there was a a kind of a calm and and relaxing element to it. Any, any, I mean, for me, it's early in my day today as we're recording, so I'll say this, uh, you know. But 
subconsciously, I, I, I had already gotten spun up and wired up for what I knew I was going to be doing today. And when we did the exercise, I just kind of, you know, uh, released all that for the moment and, and found that calm is the word that comes to my mind. So imagine then, I love all your answers are perfect and spot on and from a corporate perspective. I do this all day long. I've been to 120 cities and 10,000 people have gone through what you just went through and mostly individuals and now in the hospitals and the corporations. But at the end of the day, everyone's response is the same. Wow, I'm in a place of calm and I even felt joy. I now know what joy feels like. That's what joy feels like, like that. Oh my gosh, I have so many memories that I can conjure up. But imagine though, as from a corporate perspective, if we we did that on an hourly basis, for example. You know, I used to do it once a week and then once a day, and now I do it once an hour, sometimes four times an hour. If I'm doing sales or I'm at it or I'm on a call and somebody's being, you know, you know, be, not being very nice or kind, you know, and they, you know, yeah. you know, how people can be sometimes, not always, but once in a while. Right, and if right. that business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. So what we teach is when you become aware of that, you sit back, you take a deep breath, you think about some of the things that are going on and you feel it in your body. So then what if all 12 of those executives now did that on a regular hourly basis where they were taking a moment out of their heavy chaos and to do and overwhelm and I didn't do it enough or not good enough or whatever the thing is. And then they sat, breathe, think and feel and then take it beyond that. What if they did it with their teams and they were doing it on the hour and then their teams and then all the way down to, you know, everyone in the peripheral who are walking into work and just are seeing someone who is appreciative in a different way than they've seen before. So it starts to impact the culture in a way that no culture has been impacted before. And, you know, call it silly or call it whatever you want, but it is science. There is so much science around sitting, which is about calmness, so much science around breath, which is, you know, the opening up the, the, the neural pathways and the serotonin, the dopamine and all of that. And then visualizing, thinking, visualizing about future events, the visualizing things about your your goals, your passions, your dreams, and then the feeling, the actual physical feeling is really where the, the magic is when we start to explain what that is all about. So again, there's a lot, it seems simple, but at the same time, no one does it. We're just too damn busy. Yeah. One thing that comes to my mind as we talk about this, I frequently, and in, in my current and prior clients will attest to this, I always have a discussion and ask leaders do you ever celebrate wins with your team? Because if I've observed anything, what I see is uh, highly motivated, highly driven leaders tend to just go, go, go. You know, they push, push, push. It's project after project after project. And your, your teams get spun up in that. But it's kind of like if you cross the goal line, you know, you deliver the project, you've got a good outcome. Uh, and you just say, all right, that's what we were supposed to do. Let's move on. And, you know, as famously was said in the TV series, West Wing, the, the Jed Bartlett, the president kept saying, what's next, what's next, you know? Yeah. And 
I think we need to stop for a moment and celebrate that victory. And it, again, to your earlier point, it doesn't need to be a big outing at a bowling alley or a big uh, party that's thrown, but some form of stopping, pausing. And I'm going to add to the discussion now the, the idea of sit down and breathe when you do this. Uh, I like that idea, but but recognizing that moment. And I think there's always a pressure shift when you allow your people or lead your people into that moment of celebration. And it, you know, it, it, it stops the chaos just for a brief moment and recognizes the value that they've created for the moment. It might, again, it might be project based, but nonetheless, I think it's so critically important. We take those opportunities. Absolutely. And I like what you said too. Like I can feel you're one of those human beings that walked your talk. Like it's it's great to talk about this thing, but unless you're showing up this way, and I work on that every single day. Like I come at my team sometimes so hard and I'm just like, whoa, what where did that come from? And I have to step back too and go, hey, let's all do a chair of joy, sip, breathe, think, feel. Let's settle in back to what really matters. Like, you know, what accomplishments did we actually have this week? And and unless you actually make it a priority and ask your teams what's going on, and it's not always joyful answers, right? Sometimes you're, when I end a meeting now, or when I have my executives end a meeting, I'll, we'll do a, a meeting or we'll do what we just did at the end of the meeting too. All right, meetings wrapped up. Quick note, quick chair of joy one more time. Sit in your chair of joy, take a deep breath, think about something during the meeting that was really powerful for you, or maybe something that impacted your business or your, or your, or your work on the daily basis or didn't, and then feel that in your body. And so people will all go around the table and they'll offer, a, you know, a 30 second version of what they, what they heard in the meeting and that feedback all by itself. You're like, I didn't know they heard me say that or that that was important to them or they cared enough to mention that to me just now, you know, and it sets everybody on a new plane of communication and, you know, everyone feels better and off they go to work and, you know, their day is impacted tremendously. Yeah. Um, so yes, a culture of joy is, is what we do and there's a lot to it and it starts with the leaders and, um, you know, bringing people into the understanding that this is not woo woo and that this is something that when we focus on, it makes a tremendous amount of impact. So I want to I want to highlight and put a giant bright light and punctuation point on this. Uh, so the four elements: sit, breathe, think, and feel. That's correct, sir. Yeah, and uh, I, and I, I want to encourage yep. everybody that's listening to take that away. That's it in a nutshell: the sit, breathe, think, and feel. And don't be afraid to run that with your team. You know, have a have a moment to have those moments, <laughs> I guess I'll say, you know, and, and, and Cheryl, I, I can't avoid asking the question in the post pandemic world, there's a, a real popular word that has emerged for leaders and, and it's on top of mind for just about everybody. And the word is resilience. How do we achieve or maintain or create resilience in the face of all this chaos and demand for time and, and all of that. And I'm making maybe a leap here, but I'm, I'm saying that I think pursuing this joyful state of being is a huge leap forward in, in uh, solving the resilience question. Absolutely. You nailed it on the head. And 
I hate to simplify this, but I've spent so much time and energy on all the things that are broken around resilience, burnout, morale, you know, chaos, all the things. And at the end of the day, we do a little keynote that's called fear and joy. So resilience falls into this feeling of what are we really afraid of? We're going to lose our job. I'm never going to be happy. I'm going to run out of time. I'm not going to get to the things I want to do. I think the grass is greener over on the other side or whatever the thing is, right? And and just there's so much chaos and stress and overwhelm and it's coming at people people hard. And so we have to understand that fear is the thing that's motivating us mostly in that resilience conversation, if you will. And joy, on the other hand, can can start to smooth it and overcome it. But it's going to take, It's they say it takes five generations to create what I'm talking about, which is a new word of living joyly, which is this eudaimonia Greek word, which is a contentment and inner dwelling. And so the only way to start is to get in and get going and start using the word joy. First and foremost, if you're not using the word joy 50 times a day, you know, we're already, you know, if it's just Christmas right. joy or birthday joy, we're already behind the eight ball. So I, I love that you said, and you asked everyone to sit, breathe, think, and feel. There's some work to do. I have a five-day challenge on my on my website that everyone can go through. This is the piece of my life that I want to give away for free. And then, of course, going into corporations and teaching this thoroughly so it gets done quickly and correctly, I think is really important. It's a very therapeutic way to uh, handle mental health. And I have some testimonials on my website about how that works. But That's I love right. that you get. Right. I love that you get the essence very much done. Well, I, I'm going to add one other thought. And I, again, as most of my listeners know, uh, I am a man of faith, but I don't try to impose that on clients or audiences. However, it's it's often undeniable to talk about elements of that. And as soon as we started talking, what came to my mind is uh, my understanding, and it's limited, I, I'll admit, of world religions, all of them have a concept of joy at, at part of the core of what they teach and what they profess. And I think that is the very reason we tend to uh, take that out of the corporate dialect or the business dialect, because there's this somewhat fear of fear. Here's one of the words, this fear of over-spiritualizing what we're trying to do at work. Now, I know there's some wonderful companies that are faith-based and, and led by, you know, men and women of faith, of all faiths. But um, I, I think that's one of the prohibitive things that keep us, or for many anyway, that block us from adopting a, a vocabulary that has a word like joy in it. Ah, so many, many people on my team are faith-based and I, I wanted to create something that had a universal language. So religion, as you said, I think sometimes is extremely divisive. And so when you bring that into a corporation, you don't know where people's lines are and you don't want to cross them. So if we can get to an understanding that joy is a universal language and it, it fits all religions and it fits all atheism uh, rules around all that, we all yearn for a baby being born or opening up a beautiful Christmas or a birthday present or, you know, going out to dinner with a friend. We all yearn for that. That's a universal feeling of wish for joy. And so I hear what you're saying. And we get to pray in our chairs of joy. We get to meditate in our chair of joy. We get to jump up and down in our chair of joy. We get to ask somebody on the street that is walking 
Oh, just not too long ago, I was having a conversation with Christy. If we have time for a quick story, do we? Yes, 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 we're but good. Christy, Christy works with Homeland Security, right? And she's by her computer and she's always researching terrorist attacks worldwide. That's her job. And so she's remote. And so she's going through her day and doing her thing. Her brother has a, a heart attack unexpectedly and passes away. And she keeps going, right? She goes back to work. She tells everybody she goes to the funeral and then she goes back to work and she goes back to work and she's doing her work. And um, when I got in the in the picture, I said, so, so let's just take a minute, sit, breathe, take a deep breath. She said, she didn't tell me this initially, but she said she started crying. And I asked her to think about a moment of joy and then feel that in her body. Her moment of joy was this, that her brother that had just passed away, which she told me about, was she had a vision of him sitting on the couch next to her, that the two of them cracked open a beer and that they were talking about a trip to the beach. Oh, I still get emotional every time I think about it. But she said, I go to work and people, people are not paying attention to the fact that this is so important to me and that how do I continue on doing good work in my work life, which is so important when all this is going on. And so she said, thank you, Cheryl, for giving me a new way to have a relationship with my brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so powerful. Well, and as you bring that up, and and again, I don't want to take too dark a detour here, but um, in just in my own life walk with folks around me <clears throat> that are experiencing those kind of losses in their life, that is what I've come to to advise them to think about those joyful moments with that loved one mm -hmm. don't think about the loss or the absence or the yeah. you know the um uh, the famous first times after they're gone um but rather try to bring up and and lock in on those moments of joy the the great yeah. memories that you had yeah. and uh I've, I've had a number of people come back to me you know weeks and months later and say you know that is the thing that got me through was Absolutely. thinking about that and now i've got a very you know good way to look at at that instance so um you have a big heart doug i can feel you have a big heart you've you've, you've saved and helped a lot of souls and i you know i just i, I would love to take your heart and your ambiance and take you take you with me on the road because as as employers of people like christy like we want to hear her story um, we just want to know that people can feel alive again, no matter what's going on in their personal lives, and that we don't get to just separate, that the whole being is an important thing in a relationship between an employer and uh, employee. I, I do want to come back to, and thank you, by the way, for your comment, but um, I do want to come back to a thought, and it it hit me and then it went away as we we proceeded but uh, talking about the young people in the workforce and expectations to come to companies one of the things that i've read and understand and i've seen it <clears throat> talked about on a number of publications and studies is that uh, one of the elements us and and i can claim i'm a i'm a boomer by demographic right um younger people one of the elements they they look at us and say you don't look happy you don't look joyful you don't look you know and i don't want to end up that way and, and that becomes a driver for them and um i i bring that up to say i know i've got a good size audience that is is likewise in the boomer demographic and 
I'm, I'm going to encourage you guys to take a, a new look at how you're thinking about your day around you and um, ask yourself, is there any chance a millennial looks at me and says, wow, you, you know, you seem sour or, or disappointed and why, why do I ever want to work that long and that hard and be like that at the end? I'm, I'm going to do it differently. And I, I think now is a great time for those who might be thinking about exiting the work world or even selling businesses to think about the legacy they're leaving behind. And whatever time you've got left in your current situation, think about doing something differently to reset that sense of legacy that uh, those may talk about you and think about you once you are moved on. Ah, words, words, words from the wise, sir. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, Cheryl, I, I guess, yeah. oh, go ahead. You had a thought? I was just going to say that what I heard you say is there's many means to joy and um, taking a look at your career and creating a legacy um, is, is really important. And so if, if, if prayer is the thing that comes up for you first, if art is the thing that comes up for you, um, maybe there's volunteerism or altruism or all kinds of ways, physical exercise, like there, there's no day than today than to start your own chair of joy, experience it, breathe, think and feel however that looks for you. And I'm so glad to be here today. And thank you very much for this conversation. Well, I appreciate having you, Cheryl. And I, I think this is such a, a critical part of understanding a, a burden that I think we as leaders need to take on, and that is being sensitive to the mental health of our work team. Now, you know, we're not licensed therapists and counselors in that regard. However, we can do a lot more to influence the culture we've built around us. And that's the point. That's that's the challenge. That's the mission. So I hope anyone that's listening to this will take it to heart and, and really reassess what you might have created in this little business you've got or the work team you've got. Or if you're a Fortune 500 guy, it applies to you, too. So um are we that, just grateful grateful for all the amazing businesses in the world that they get up every day and they go after it and they go after it and i'm just so proud of all the people that do that and all the employees and and yet could we do it with a little bit uh sense of brightness and um and that's what i think that we're all working on towards together i agree i agree well again cheryl thank you so much for sitting in with us i really appreciate it absolutely anytime and folks, we're going to have all of Cheryl's contact information and that giveaway that she mentioned. It will be in the show notes so you can look there to, to get those links. And this is part of the show where I always like to remind people we do have a video version of this episode over on YouTube, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, join the uh, channel and give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, and give me whatever feedback you like about what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and I hope you go out there and make it a joyful day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.